Welcome everyone. I am Thomas Morino, a director in the digital practice at management consultancy firm Alex Partners. It's great that you can join us today for a new episode of Startup Sessions. This is a series of interviews where we'll explore the challenges, opportunities and learnings from the life in the world of born digital businesses, all of which were at one point a startup. I am also joined today by my colleague Gerrit Bouchon, Vice President in Digital in the Germany practice at Alex Partners, and we have the great pleasure of speaking to Bertrand Boutlou, Chief Commercial Officer at IDNow. Welcome Bertrand, it's great to have you with us today. Hello, thank you. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. So perhaps to kick off our conversation, would you be kind enough to give our audience a brief introduction to yourself and also to IDNow? and point out at what stage you see ID now in its evolution. Well, I've been in cybersecurity for more than 25 years, you know, of my life. And I've been working, you know, with large system integrators during this time, either Capgemini, Unisys or some others, you know, and I've learned a lot, you know, in these companies uh, when dealing, you know, with the development of go-to-market, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, after this first period of my life, I then decided to build my own company that I've sold five years after. And then I offer my services to software vendors, you know, that wanted to expand their business, whether in Europe, Africa, Middle East. And I can give some names like Connectis Open Trust, TO Technologies that was acquired by Oracle and all this stuff. So a clearly strong background, you know, in leading, in leading the development of companies. Regarding ID now, the company that I work with today, I mean, the company was founded in 2014, I mean, with the main objective of providing compliance services to the German regulator uh, in the financial services sector. I mean, we've made some acquisitions since then, like Ariane Next in France, Identity TM in Germany, to grow business and fulfill more requirements when dealing, you know, with regulating markets. And today we've got this one platform, you know, that meets some of the world's strictest compliance and regulation requirements when dealing with remote customer onboarding. I mean... I didn't know it's around 400 employees today. I mean, we've got 900 references. And I mean, we are clearly leading the European market when dealing with identity proofing services. And now that you've worked at IDNow for about seven years, what is your role uh, in the business and when you started and how is it different? Well, my, my first mandate was clearly to build a sustainable growth for Ariane Next, the French entity that was acquired by IDNO in 2021. So nothing to see with IDNO at this time. When the decision by Idino to acquire Idino was ma made, and when we merged together, the role that I've been given was clearly to lead the business growth for the company for Southern and Eastern European countries. So, the, 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 the reason why you know, the group decided to clearly offer me, offer me this new role at Idino nowadays is clearly because there was a lack of clearly commercial focus. I mean, the teams were split across various CEO, various entities department and the old mandate that the group gave me was clearly to manage the commercial team clearly consolidating all the know-how that we have in all geos which covers new sales account management marketing and customer success as well when dealing with you know with the functional directions and make it happening again and what is it in your previous experiences that you think um, were useful in being able to deliver and drive all this well, as I've said before, you know, I've been working with these large system integrators and software companies. So, and in my past experience, I've been mainly occupying managerial position with these guys. And in this position, you know, I've learned a lot on the way to manage the articulation between 
offer development, marketing, sales, delivery, whether at global or European level. So, I mean, clearly it has helped me a lot, you know, in trying and structuring the approach when dealing with uh, IDNO to start with. I've been also working with American software companies uh, like the, the GOA or the Oracle. And again, I've learned a lot from their processes and rigor when dealing with marketing and sales. And this clearly helps me today, you know, in my daily job, you know, to, to improve the efficiency of the commercial team of IDNO, you know, to be performing on the field. That's, that's super, that's super interesting. Um... But digital identities itself, it's a very fast growing topic um, across various industries, not only for financial services and not only for the regulated industries, but for, for everyone. And maybe you can give us um, a brief introduction to the topic as not everyone of our audience would be aware of it and uh, where the market is currently at. Yeah, well, let's make it simple and understandable. You know, today, if you want to create an account online with a digital bank like Revolut or N26, you will have to go through a video identification or a capture of your ID document and a biometric likeness in order to prove that you are whoever you claim to be. If you want then to open a new account, you know, on a gaming or gambling platform, you will have to repeat the same process, you know, and then if you want to access your insurance details, the same process will apply. So it's clearly becoming increasingly time consuming to go through the same processes time and time again for the end user. And clearly as digitalization's popularity continues, the replacement of the in-person identity verification for a digital one rises quite fast. Having said that, you know, digital identities are all about relying on stored identities in their so-called wallet to enable end users to reuse their first identification and prove that they are whoever they claim to be. So no need anymore, you know, to replay every time, you know, this process of identifying. You've got your wallet, you've got your personal identification in it, and then you can replay this identification to any service provider that, that is there. It's clearly a, a process that is more convenient for the end user and more cost efficient for the service provider. And it's still very secure and fully compliant with some regulatory frameworks that exist, you know, like the anti-money laundering ones, or I would say like the gambling one. I mean, this digital identity market is expected to be worth approximately more than 3 billion by 2025. So it's clearly a raising market, which is more than 100% increase of its value from 2020. And I mean, the, the reason for it is that when looking at Europe, you know that we, we had a regulation that came in place and came in force, by the way, you know, in 2015, that was called EIDA, standing for Electronic Identification, Authentication and Trust Services. And clearly there was no real definition of the technical specification associated with digital identity. With the version 2 of EIDAS that is supposed to happen sooner or later, I mean, it's supposed to happen in the two, two or three weeks nowadays. Well, the proposed European Union regulations will clearly enable the storage of this digital identity into a so-called wallet so that at the end, you know, every single European citizen will be able to use this identity to identify across various service providers, including the e-commerce ones, because one of the targets of the European Commission is clearly to ensure and secure the identity of its citizen. 
So looking backwards um, and compared to the market 10 years ago, what has changed and how did IDNow's business model adapt to the changes and what has been effectively the main challenges? Well, to start with 10 years ago, you know, digital identification was usually a nice to have. Uh, this meaning, you know, that some pioneer in the digital spaces were consuming this identification services in order to enable their business online, like the fintech ones, but like I would say some advanced companies when dealing with digitalization. And at this time, the market was mainly asking for automated or manual processed ID document verification, and the market size was anecdotic. Given the pressure, you know, of these pioneers, especially, you know, the financial institutions to develop their business online, regulation has clearly been the first driver for enabling the growth of companies like ours. I mean, the regulators being conscious of the risk of fraud and money laundering online, they fight some strong requirements when dealing with remote customer onboarding. That was clearly the beginning of a new wave of adoption of our services with not only the tech players anymore, but also the traditional financial institutions adopting our technology to become and transform into the digital world. Pandemic situation in 2020 has accelerated the growth and adoption of these technologies as face-to-face -face exchanges has to be replaced with remote interaction at the end of the day. So the consequence has been that most sectors have been looking to implement services like ours, so not only finance or gambling anymore, but also mobility, hospitality, etc. And the challenges for a company like IDNO have clearly been to define and execute a strategy based on these market changes. I mean, first of all, the regulation led to an heterogeneous set of requirements across Europe requiring us to adapt our portfolio to local requirements. We've been also obliged to define a strategy for fully automated services for industries that are not strongly regulated. In parallel, the fraud risk has increased over the last years, driving us you know, to define new techniques and new services in order to fight against the fraudsters. And I think we've been quite successful in doing so, you know, over the last few few years. I mean, the, the acquisition of Ariane Next in France being one of the last steps, clearly, to strengthen this portfolio and adapt to, the, to these changes that were happening. So, very interesting. Looking forward, how do you expect the topic of digital identities to develop and how do you prepare to cope with the potentially changing environment? Well, as mentioned, you know, we expect the market for digital identities to grow globally during the next years with EIDAS Q0 certainly giving a big push within the EU and the digital and attributes trust framework in the UK. If you are not familiar with this, you know, it's clearly a framework that will enable the use of digital identity as well, you know, in this part of the world. I mean, we are ready for this changing environment. I mean, we've got already a digital identity wallet that can store identities which are verified using any of our products, such as auto-ident or video-ident, so let's say automated or video-assisted products. And with this wallet, we can clearly already serve the interest not only of, I would say, French or UK customers, but also German ones or Romanian ones. I mean, this wallet clearly is a key differentiator because Again, we have to mention that we are clearly an European company to start with, you know. All our data will remain, you know, in Europe. And I think that's very important when dealing, you know, with a topic like digital identity as clearly, you know, the self-sovereign identity is the concept that Europe is pushing for. So we think today that we lead the way in digital identities because the solutions are intuitively designed without compromising on speed or security. 
The market appears to offer many options. How is ID now differentiating itself from the competition and how are you handling the challenge of meeting the specific segment needs? For example, the regulatory environment, customer experience needs, but also cybersecurity requirements. When looking at the differentiation of IDNO on the market today, I mean, first of all, I would mention the fact that, you know, we don't have an approach that could be an American approach like the one-size-fits-all one approach. The, the, the particularity of the European market is clearly that regulations that usually relies on directive has been transposed in local rights, this driving to an heterogeneous landscape of regulation across Europe today. And I think that one of the main differentiators of a company today is clearly to provide a platform that will enable pan-European players to start with, you know, to clearly have solutions that will fulfill the local requirements that when dealing with regulation. That's a key differentiator. And I mean, regarding the discussion we, we have with the large digital banks today, you know, and I won't mention their name here, I mean, This is clearly a big thing for us that is happening. The second one is the customer experience needs. I mean, we've always put in the balance of this regulatory and anti-fraud measures, you know, the ability to transform and have high conversion rates when dealing with the business online, because at the end of the day, it's all about the conversion rate here. So we clearly have built some customer journeys that are smooth enough in order to get to this high level of expectation that our customer can have when dealing with the transformation online. And last but not the less is clearly the, the cyber security, let's say the security and data privacy compliance. I mean, a platform for identity proofing has been built for security to make it safer than the others. I mean, we are ISO 27001 certified to demonstrate the fact that, you know, security is very important for all our legal entities. We've been, I would say, certified on some norms like HCTS 119-461, that is the new norm of the European Commission when dealing with identity proofing services. We've got some local certifications, such as the PVIL-1 in France, that is clearly the specific framework for identity proofing services in France. So on these ones, you know, on this last dimension, that is security and compliance and certification, we are certainly one of the most advanced company in Europe today, not to say, you know, the first company in Europe. Thank you very much. That's very, very interesting. Um, I just wanted to go back to the point of growth and perhaps more focusing on leadership. Um, so how important do you think the leadership team has been in achieving the growth so far? And, and perhaps also more importantly, what do you think are the key characteristics that they have, which you see as key enablers to a company's future? Well, I mean, the leadership team of IDNO is mainly composed of people that have a strong experience in their field. I mean, if I look to the chief product officer of IDNO, this guy used to work, you know, for a company called RSA Security. So, and there, you know, he had some strong responsibilities when dealing with the rollout of the services globally. I mean, if I look to this commercial position that I occupy right now, I think, you know, I've got a good track record, you know, when enabling companies to roll out their services across the world, even the background that I had with large system integrators and with software vendors. I mean, when, when I look to the our CEO, the CEO of the company, again, you know, the CEO has a strong track record, you know, in bringing company to the next level, uh, you know, in terms of growth that uh, we, we would like to achieve. So 
clearly the experience is a key component, you know, of, of this leadership team that composed the uh, IDNO management team today. The second one is clearly the vision and the strategy, you know, because it's not only about getting, you know, experienced people, but it's also about the vision and the strategy that you have. Since the beginning, you know, this, your, this company has focused its time and energy to, to develop some solutions, as I've said before, that will answer quickly to the market changes that were happening, whether, you know, it was led by compliance, whether it was led by some other factors like the COVID that I mentioned before. So we've got some vision now in the team, you know, that are part uh, of the product team as well as the, the, the business team that are clearly working, you know, on this vision and this strategy to clearly anticipate the changes that will happen, you know, uh, whether on the French market, whether on the UK market, whether on the European market, and always have, you know, uh, a solution up and ready, you know, to serve the interest of our customers. Last but not the least is, I mean, this European leadership. I mean, we've built our expertise and we are today, you know, the European leader and it helps us a lot clearly in getting our business progressing because it's also, you know, a factor of growth when you engage a discussion with a company that is a pan-European company, whether it's a UK company, to be local is very important because these guys, they do understand that we provide as well all the safety and the guarantee that these guys expect when dealing, you know, with the data that we manage that are clearly personal data on a daily basis. Thank you, Bertrand. That was very, very interesting and insightful. So thank you very much. Um, just to close us off, I just wanted to ask a couple of quick fire questions, um, if that's all right. The first one was, looking ahead, what do you think are the most disrupting factors to contend with and the most critical thing that startups need to get right in order to succeed in the current climate? Artificial intelligence is one of the first one. I mean, most of our technologies today rely on this artificial intelligence and we will clearly need to make sure, you know, and to bring the assurance to uh, the regulator that all solutions respects, you know, against the personal data of the people that will go through all the service that uh, we provide. But it's also, you know, the inclusivity of a solution that is of importance, you know, because at the end of the day, this solution should be inclusive and not reject any people for whatever reason. I mean, so... We, we are working right now, you know, on all these dimensions in order to make sure, you know, that we will fulfill, you know, what is required in order, you know, to, to get these most disruptive factors. And again, you know, this is a, 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 an important topic for us, you know, to, to make us different from the rest of the ecosystem, you know. And one last quick question, um, and this may actually happen in real life. Um, what advice would you give to anyone wanting to get on the startup journey? Well, you know, it's always a good question, but I think, you know, uh, you, you should have, I would say, a strong understanding of the industry and the market you want to enter in. You know, it's not a simple journey that you will start when trying and developing, you know, uh, a company. So you should have solid foundation or at least get some good friends, you know, that will bring with your skills, you know, these solid foundations. The second thing for me, you know, is the networking. This is crucial in the startup ecosystem. You know, if you if you don't know anyone, you know, around you that has created, that is about to create, you know, a company like yours, or maybe you know, uh, someone that you could that could mentor you, you know, in this in this uh, in this journey, then it will be difficult for you because 
against you will be excited sometime, but sometime you you will be devastated because of the last discussion that you had with your bankers or whoever. And I mean, you clearly need this network in order, I would say, uh, to to adapt and you know to find the energy to to fight again and again because it's always a, 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 a long fight, you know, to to go from this startup to the scale up to being, I would say, this company like the one that we are today. So I mean, the team. The team will be key. I mean, uh, again, as I've said, you know, whether it's your best friend, whether you know it's someone that has strong skills, well, you shouldn't try to to build your business on your own. You know, there are some people who knows better than you do. You know, when dealing with certainly finance, when dealing, you know, with market vision, when dealing, you know, with the delivery, when dealing with the infrastructure. So, try and build a strong team in order to make it happening. And last but not the last is be adaptable because. Well, you can have a plan, you know, but the plan is good, you know, when dealing with the, the business guys, the equity funds or whoever you're going to meet, you know, in order to sell your project and get the first funding, you know, to, to make it happening. But at the end, you should be adaptable because, well, the plan that you had at the beginning will not be fully the one that you will execute at the end. So by being adaptable, you'll be able, I would say, to clearly build from a startup to a large organization and clearly by being persistent and focused, you'll be able, I would say, to, to clearly get uh, these changes, digest them and, you know, make it happening. All right. And on that note, I'd like to thank you very much, Bertrand, for your time with us today to discuss your career and experience and also your business learnings from uh, the world of digital identity. It's been an absolute pleasure to meet you. Um, and to all of you tuning in, I hope you enjoyed it and that you will be able to join us for the next episode of Alex Partners Startup Session. Goodbye and have a great day. <laughs>